Episode 63 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on December 11th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, I'm joined by the SWOTOR guy to talk about the state of the economy, Star Wars The Old Republic's sixth anniversary, and Star Wars in general. If you've been struggling with the Caparo Flashpoint, I have some good news for you. The fix is in. Finally this week, Ryan Johnson revealed if his new trilogy will center around the Old Republic. I'll tell you what he had to say later in the show. And with that, it's time to make the jump to Lightspeed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 63 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. Before I get started, I want to let you know that we're going to spend a little more time in hyperspace this week as the SWOTOR guy will be joining me to talk about the state of the game's economy. You'll definitely want to hear what he has to say. Now, before I get to that, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. Game Update 5.6.1 is set to go live on December 12th. As I said last week, it was going to be a relatively minor patch, but it now has some major features that didn't make it into 5.6, namely the new War Zone on Yavin 4. It will also mark the start of the Life Day Celebration, the 6th anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic, and a double rewards event that will run until January 1st. And also, uh, we will see the Rack Ghoul Plague event on Alderaan, and this is to replace the Tatooine event that did not happen. So it is going to be Rack Ghoul Plague Week, and again, if you're looking to get Doctor, the Dr. Loken Companion, this will be the time to do it. Also, this one's a little late, but I wanted to get some information out to you there because it's still kind of relevant. Uh, BioWare and N- NVIDIA have teamed up to do a giveaway. And basically, to qualify, you just need to have an NVIDIA account and install the GeForce Experience software on your PC. And, of course, you have to be using an NVIDIA graphics card. In fact, you can't install the GeForce Experience without one. And what they're giving away is the Rule the Galaxy Story Pack. And this bundle includes full access to Knights of the Eternal Throne, an Outlander character token, the Chiss Talon Interceptor Mount, and the Forced Veterans Armor Set. Eric Musco provided some clarification on the contest, and he said, First, there is a chance to receive a code if you meet the criteria. Recipients are selected by NVIDIA and are and will be given out on 12-13 via notification in the GeForce Experience app. Not everyone who qualifies will receive the pack. And all accounts, not just new ones, are eligible He did say they will be giving out a lot of packs, and it's not available in all countries, and this is due to various reasons, most commonly outlined by those countries themselves, or the company running the giveaway, in this case, NVIDIA. And he said, but he did say this, if someone from a country that is not in one of NVIDIA's participating countries has a valid code, they will still be able to redeem it on SWOTOR.com. So what you might find is that players went and created a bunch of extra NVIDIA accounts and maybe they got lucky, they had five accounts and they got five codes, well you can only redeem one, so you might be able to find some extra codes floating around. Now if you don't have an NVIDIA account, then the deadline to create one was 12-12. If you already had an account but maybe weren't aware of the promotion, keep an eye out on your GeForce Experience software, you may get lucky. If you do win, you do need to redeem the code by December 31st. Now, one of the things I hate about SWOTOR is they always leave me wanting more, and not in a good way. I'm going to see The Last Jedi, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to leave the theater wanting more because the film was so darn good. I just want to keep experiencing that. I want more of that. With SWOTOR, I find myself wanting more because they don't do enough. They don't go far enough. 
And case in point is this chance for the CHIS bundle. I paid a lot of money for a chance at getting that code. If the money I've spent were Both and spies, I would have wiped out their entire intelligence network to get this chance. The information to make it a guarantee is there, and if they want to limit who gets codes, then this is how they should, should have done it. They should have been able to look at my system, and they already can and do look at my system. So they should have been able to look at my system and go, Hey, Ted, I see you play Star Wars The Old Republic. Ooh, and I see you're using a 1070 GTX card. Little overkill for SWOTOR, but awesome nonetheless. And if you want, we can help you optimize the graphics settings. And oh, is that a ViewSonic XG2703G Sync monitor? Wow, you're really into this stuff. Yeah, I'm really into this stuff, and yet I have to settle for a chance. A chance at getting a really cool bundle. All right, well, that's it for the announcements. Let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. Between changes to the Cartel Market Store, the recent server merges, and the companion gift exploit, the game's economy has been through a whirlwind of changes. Here to help unravel it all is someone you know from his credit guides, expert commentary on Star Wars The Old Republic, and entertaining YouTube videos, fellow influencer, the SWOTOR guy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Thad. It's a really, really honor to be here on the podcast. Well, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. And uh, as I mentioned in that, that opening, uh, there have been changes to the cartel market store. The servers have all merged. And more recently, we saw the companion gift debacle. What is the current state of the economy right now? If I wanted to give it a short answer, it's uh, kind of starting to restabilize, but it's not good. Like the content market store changes is good. Do not get me wrong. What they've done over the past months or so, it, it is really, really good changes. And they were actually listening to the community's feedback, what they wanted in the content market. And uh, we, re- we received like items that is actually good and actually worth something. And... We can see, like, for example, the new content market pack, which is, like, the Spoils of War, I believe. And uh, they have a lot of gold armor or weapons. And that's that's something where you need to see the changes. Like, at the beginning, they wanted to remove the bronze ones. Now we're getting more gold ones. I think that's where, uh, like, the content market is going to go to make actually more unique items instead of like what a lot of people call reskins items because of course we can see it do not get me wrong and still i i think the content market is going in a, in the right direction with this pack and with the, with the recent changes that has happened in terms of the companion gift debacle uh yeah that really really screwed the like the economy big time because i think a lot of people used it uh, in their advantage uh do not get me wrong it's obviously both faults like uh bioware even or player fault it doesn't really matter the fact is it has happened so we cannot do anything uh about it and the current state of that is currently going fixed like uh I think we just need a little more time to be uh, back in this economy and see what the prices of certain amount of items. And, and just talking about the companion gift uh, exploit, most people know what it was. They were able to get these artifact quality gifts off this one vendor on the Imperial fleet, and they were able to purchase them for free, sell them back for 960 credits a pop, which in and of itself doesn't sound like a lot, but they were able to get them in large stacks, like uh, of almost 10,000. So they were making, what, 9.6 million, if not more, in a very fast amount of time. And basically, what do they do? They went and spent all that money for the most part. They didn't squirrel it away. They, they hit up the GTN, and I was sort of read some reports that they were cleaning out all of the platinum items, hyper crates, and, and, and all of this stuff is just disappeared Pretty much what had happened, uh, when it happened, I, I actually saw it live. I was actually streaming while it happened, and I checked out earlier before that, before the stream and stuff like that, and I wanted to make like a, 
uh, a pack opening video. And I was thinking about, hmm, maybe this one for 30 million or 40 million. I was like, okay, sounds good. And when I started to streaming, five hours later, I saw only two pages on the GTM for Hypercrates and only going for around 120, 130 million. I was like, what is going on here? I did not know about the situation, what has happened uh, with the exploit. And when I started to know it, a lot of people just starting to immediately sell everything for a high price because these exploiters, obviously, they were, they're going to buy it because, you know, they can get it in no time. And unfortunately, it not happened once, it happened twice, the exploit, unfortunately. But not just on the fleet, it happened on the core planets as well. So that was a, a like a little mistake that it happened. So the one you're talking about on, on the, the core planets, I had heard something about that as well, although certainly nothing official from, from Bioware on that. Did that, was that going on at the same time? Was that known at the same time? Or is that something that players discovered afterwards? I think the the players discovered it uh, later when they fixed it immediately because uh, Bioware known the issue, so they actually fixed the the exploit in game, which is really really huge. Congrats to that. However, uh, I did not know if it happened at the same time, but I guess it is because uh, both of those uh, companion gifts are going nothing just like in the fleet, but a lot of people just certainly know about the fleet issues uh, or the fleet companion gifts. They didn't know about the core planets, so like uh, Drummond Cast and Coruscant, they did not know the companion gifts are going uh, nothing in those planets as well. But I think when they uh, fixed it, they trying to go for other solutions, and I think they saw that one as well. So that's how it happened, unfortunately. Well, that makes sense. So we know, or at least we believe, that Bioware is going to take action against the exploiters. But is there anything that they can do to repair the damage that was done? I don't think so. To be perfectly honest, the the best thing that we can do, uh, because let's face it, it happened before. Uh, and it, the only thing they they fixed is just wait. Like, to be perfectly honest, those exploiters are going to use every single penny what they got from this, and they're going to get all kinds of platinums, hypercrates, whatever they wanted to spend it. At the end of the day, they're just going to lost it because they don't know how the actually the economy works. They're going to get some credits back, some hundreds uh, or even a billion credits. Do not get me wrong. That's cool. Take it. Enjoy it. But other than that, you're just going to spend all of it because there was some new cool item happened or just something else. A uh, new cartel market item or new hypercrate is just on the, the GTN. And I, I'm, I'm going to buy it and opening it. At the end of the day, who knows? You, you're not going to get lucky and you just receive like nothing out of it and you cannot make a profit out of it same goes to uh cartel market items and same goes to like a lot of platinum items it just if somebody else used an exploit and uh, pretty much all you have to do is just wait until all of these exploiters spend their money and uh, pretty much that's when uh i think it's going to be fixed maybe it's definitely not going to fix this year because those exploiters who not receive a ban or some action out of this, uh, they're going to spend it a lot of times. But when it's when it's over, obviously, uh, the GTN and the economy is going to be settled once again. And again, like obviously, they can they know who the exploiters are. They can ban them for a period of time or even permanently. They can take whatever credits they have on, on, on those accounts, they can remove those. But if they purchase stuff and they can, I suppose they can even remove items that they purchase. But, you know, if I had a hypercrate and I put it up for sale, I mean, are they going to take away, are they going to give me back my hypercrate, take away my money? I mean, it's no, that's definitely impossible to, to have it. Like, uh, that's what I used in my advantage, to be perfectly honest. For example, uh, there is the new augments have been released on the Game Update 5.6. And the only way you can get at it is to either doing ranked PvP and the Master Mode operations, or opening Command Craze to receive one of those new materials, either one. And uh, 
those materials are going extremely high on price and and the augments itself as well are going huge amount of credits i'm talking about uh 10 million credits at the beginning now it's going to settle around 6 million still it's a it's a big profit and those exploiters pretty much are going to buy those uh, from from the player who pretty much crafted. But they cannot take an action for it because, you know, an exploiter buy it. Like, they, they cannot even prove that that dude or that specific X buy it from a Y guy and pretty much saying it, okay, he, he just wanted to get the credits. Like, they cannot prove that. And obviously, if if that's going to happen, like, I'm going to be in real trouble as well. Like, who knows if, for example, I sold a, a hypercrate for an exploiter. Am I going to be troubled for that? I don't think so. I didn't done anything wrong. I didn't use the exploit. I did not anything. I just do what I normally do. It's either buy low or sell high or just sell stuff on the GTM. I did not use the exploit at all. So they cannot take action against me. Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't think that's a, what you've done there and what you've described as a punishable offense. You're just playing the game normally. You're just selling stuff that you have. You know What, you ha- what happened is you now had this list of influx of potential buyers or people that had the means to purchase your goods. And I, you know, that type of rollback, it just doesn't sound like it's feasible, right? Where they could track every single item. They probably know everything that was bought, but there's no way that they could roll it back to where it was, so to speak, you know, prior to the exploit happening and have everything be all good. That's just, that's just not possible. So with that, then let me just ask this then. So now we've had this influx of credits into the game that have now been sort of through purchasing of goods or whatever else they've been distributed to other players is there a risk of inflation and and prices going up now that we have a lot a lot of people that are perhaps richer than they would have normally been yes yes there is there is gonna be uh, two sides of this obviously those players who got rich because of this exploit they are obviously rich as hell like enjoy it good luck However, those players who are not used the exploit and, for example, have a really rare item that is going around uh, 30 to 40 million credits and they just trying to selling it for a long time, like for months, because not a lot of people have 40 million credits, face it, because it's uh, sometimes hard to make uh, uh, credits or even grind credits yourself. But now, thanks to these exploit. Uh, probably a lot of these exploit players are going to buy these high amount of items because they wanted them themselves. So obviously the player who not done anything are going to be finally happy because finally I sold that certain item for 40 million credits. So that's good. So 40 million credits, finally I got it. And obviously the exploiter is like, he cannot do anything. Obviously he can, he received the item, do not get me wrong, but if he gets banned, he cannot do anything with that item. Absolutely, absolutely. So if Bioware can't really do anything to fix things, then how long before, do you think, before the economy stabilizes and and how will we know that it has? Uh, It's not going to fix in this year, that's for sure. Because uh, I don't know actually how many people used this uh, exploit but when it happened before uh the previous uh exploit like this credit exploit that i'm certainly talking about uh it was fixed around a month or so probably a little longer but as soon as uh like new items are getting in a lot of people are just going to buy it and at the end of the day it's just going to be fixed themselves like uh a lot of people were starting to get uh, money and starting to, doesn't really matter if you're opening cartel, coin, uh, cartel market packs or either uh, buying it from the GTN. At the end of the day, those items are going to be new. And new items can certainly be uh, flexible in the GTN and the eco- economy as well. Because new items, obviously, hot items, everybody wants it. Let's go grab it. And old times, old items are going to be forgotten, just like what had happened before. And there was a lot of hyper crates have been released in, uh, I don't know how many, like 60 plus. 
And those items that, for example, came from shipment one and two, those are going to be forgotten after probably a month or so. And then those prices that were a really, really high price from, for example, those shipments, those are going to back up on high price. And uh, maybe it's going to stabilize a little more. That's going to be good because like a lot of a lot of these exploiters buy like all of the items and now we can just uh started to make credits for for uh, let's say a little bit cheaper uh, instead of like that high price like oh my god uh, for example the ambassador howard shit which is a really really old item and a lot of people liking it and a lot of people wanted to get that and uh, it was like two days ago i checked it it was 150 million now because of this exploit it went down to 70 million that's good because somebody have maybe 70 or maybe 80 million credits so they can finally grab that one so that is good in both ways well that makes sense and looking ahead here so you know i remember it was uh darth Asina who said to the outlander i see why the alliance follows you where others see problems you see opportunity so given the economy's broken state is there an opportunity here to make money um that's maybe a little different than than what it would have been normally yes yes it's uh it's probably the best or uh, the easiest way to make credits. Obviously, because of this uh, update helped a lot uh, in terms of economy, like uh, because of this augment, uh, if you're getting either the materials or actually crafting the augments themselves, it's really, really easy to make an opportunity to yourself. It, it doesn't really matter. There is a, a lot of ways like how you can take your advantage from this uh, problem but either way if you're not using it and you have other opportunities to use because of like the game update like not the exploit itself it's just the game update itself there is a lot of opportunities that's where you can make easy money so in terms of economic broken state it's uh, definitely going to make an advantage for a lot of people but in terms of uh, those uh, players who are, for example, not really good at the economy. Let's just say you were not really good at the economy. You don't know how, how much are certain items. And for example, you just get it into the economy. Let's just say that. And you started at the very beginning. You have around uh, 100 or 200k credits. And you want to get rich. You wanted to get, uh, for example, a new Nexu mount or uh, one of the new, I don't know, pets or whatever, which are going crazy amount. The only way you can get it is to see the new opportunities, what's coming up for the game updates. For example, this new game update, 5.6, give us two new materials and two new specific augments. So like augment types, there's the 230 rating and the 236 rating. If you see this opportunity, really, really easy to use this opportunity and make credits for yourself. Oh, and let me ask you this, since um, while we while the economy is trying to sort of sort itself out and players obviously need credits, because um, I would like to get in some ways to do that, but what exactly is a lot of credits these days? I mean, what is considered rich and sort of what is the minimum amount, amount you can have and not be poor? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it, it totally is. Like, uh, it was a, the Manon Stronghold released uh, this year and a lot of people complained about they cannot pay that much. So it's fair to say 1 million credits or even 2 million credits is considered to be a start not to be poor however if you wanted to get rich like you just wanted to spend uh, some money for a certain amount of armor set certain amount of mount or even the stronghold for themselves or the decorations you at least need 10 million credits to start to get your rich ways like that's where you can start building your credits up because obviously you the the best way is like to buy low and sell high it's really easy however uh that's at the beginning you need to be rich and because of that you need to do some grindings like you you need to do the certain amount of usual things so even doing heroics dailies pvp missions or daily missions or even what else is in the game a lot of things so it's just it's just in the uh, there is some really really good ways that the game is actually provide you to get yourself credits 
For example, in the command crates, there is a chance you can get the two new materials. One of them is selling for 2.5 million, the other one is for 1 million credits. If you're getting both of them, that is 3.5 million for you, and you can start your building up to get yourself rich. Yeah, those are pretty good, and they I don't know how often they drop, but I have, and I don't know if they come from only the tier 4 command crates or if it's a chance in every level. I can confirm it. It is not coming only from tier four crates. I received it from a tier two and a tier three crate as well. So well, there you go. So it is confirmed. And, and they do drop. I mean, I'm on the Star Forge. I noticed the, I forget what it's called. I think it's like the Memory Core. Now I've seen the prices on the low end for that now uh, under a million, seven hundred thousand or, or eight hundred thousand. The other one, as you said, uh, the Transubstantiator, I think is is what it's called. Uh, that one seems to be priced a little bit bit higher, like you said. So I, I think those are both uh, good things to do. Because if you don't need the, feel like you need the augments or need to save them to craft yourself the augments, I think that's a good item to sell. Of course. Um, and, the, and the game pretty much pro, uh, actually provides you to do, actually just play the game itself. Like those both rewards, like uh, in credit-wise, those are credit rewards, obviously. Like huge credit rewards for yourself. And... All you need to do is pretty much either play master mode operations. So if you're good at PV, good at operations, all you need to do is just go into certain amount of uh, pretty much flashpoints or not flashpoint operation bosses and just beat them. And you can receive around uh, no matter how many like you getting in that operation or either you can do ranked PVP. Like uh, ranked PVP at the moment is broke actually because of this. I've heard of that, yeah. I... A lot of people are playing ranked PvP. In terms of, like, uh, ranked PvPers, that is good because a lot of uh, players are coming in and see it is actually fun. Like, I'm doing it on my streams as well. And I have, like, finally three or four people that is constantly coming. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, first of all, I said it uh, when I'm actually, like... Uh, searching for one person. I'm not doing this for, like, serious ranked. I don't want to go into, like, the toxicity and you are bad and stuff like that. I'm doing this for fun and obviously for the materials. And that's it. Simple as that. And I'm actually quite enjoying doing some ranked in these days. I like PvP. I haven't tried ranked PvP, but I'm, on my last podcast, I sort of joked about, you know, just trying ranked PvP, not caring what, whether or not I win or lose or how good I am just to get this new material. That <laughs> It seemed that it was... A, a giant carrot on a stick, Indeed. Uh, so it's, to speak. It's totally worth it. And that pretty much the game provides you to get yourself rich. And and you pretty much don't necessarily need to grind or stuff like that. All you need to do is just enjoy what the game is providing you and you can get yourself rich out of that. I agree. Now, one of my issues is once I get credits, I'm always afraid to lose them. I like hanging on to them. But you talked about buying low and selling high. So I'm going to say, is spending credits uh, essential, do you think, to making credits? And how should players go about spending their credits wisely and, and it's from an investment standpoint? So I made a mistake uh, about this uh, a long, long time ago when I got ahead of myself. I finally got around 30 to 40 million credits and I spent it all for all of the items and I got none back. It, it actually need needs to spend a lot of, not a lot, but some money to actually make a profit out of it. Like, do not get me wrong, do not spend it on the cartel market items because those are actually RNG. But uh, spend it when you have the opportunity and, and for example, these two examples are really, really good in terms of uh, opportunities. For example, the credit exploit. Like, do not get me wrong, it is bad, but in terms of economy, it went down big time. And for example, I just saw the new Nahoot Platinum Cannon for 6 million credits. I bought it for 6 million credits and I sold it for 25 million credits. So I made a huge profit out of it because of this exploit. Same goes to others. For example, when a new content market item came out, obviously you need to buy it. But if you're getting, like, for example, let's just say you're going to buy one on the GTM for 5 million credits. And uh, just one simple pack. And you're going to be really, really lucky in opening the new uh, traditional Jedi robe. So the Revealed Master robe. 
just the robes and the gloves. That is around 50 million, but it, it can go either on a bad way. So if you're going for more, like more and more, you wanted to spend more and just going to wait until the prices are going to come up. At the end of the day, you're just going to be poor again and you need to wait maybe two or three months until those prices are going to be really really pricey again and starting to get credits so it's a it's a long battle between time and obviously the right time to sell it but it's it's difficult and with those armor sets this is a question i've always wondered about because depending on where you you get them they usually like if you get them out of the packs for example you usually get the upper body, uh, lower body, and then the, the supplementary pieces. Is it better to sell those as a bundle or should you open them up and remove the pieces or is it gonna depend on the armor set that we're, you're looking at here? Oh, thank God you got that question. Because of this, a lot of people don't know what are those, what is inside of those supplementary boxes. Like uh, I actually made a video with that and a lot of people don't know what are those supplementaries or body armors they are contained. So when you're opening it, and for example, in the GTN, one specific person going for one specific body armor, let's just face it, let's just go for like the Reaver body armor. And the, the Reaver body armor is a classic one. A lot of people loving it, and a lot of people wanted to get it. And I tried to sell, for example, the body armor itself, just the, the individual body armor. And those are going around uh, twice as higher as the the body box itself, what it also what it also contains the armor, so the body armor itself and the gloves as well. And I do not understand why they are not looking and read the description because in the description it says this box contains that armor set, gloves, and uh, chest piece itself when you're opening it. And that simple as that. Like pretty much. It's again a buy low, sell high method, and all you need to do is read. Yeah, that's 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 interesting, and you know, and that's part of the challenge too, right? And and and, and maybe I overthink things sometimes because sometimes I will look at that, and, and what I should do is probably buy those supplementary pieces or those packs, whether it's a upper body or lower body. But sometimes I maybe I just want to go sell a chest piece, but I, I'm afraid to put it on the. But I look at the price that you could buy, you know, the chest, the gloves, you know, as a bundle. And so I don't necessarily put mine up for sale, but by the same token, I don't necessarily buy what's there and then think about reselling it, which is which is kind of a, uh, another question I have in general, in, which is about buying out a supply and trying to corner a market. Is that ever a good idea or is it impossible to do? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally makes sense, but do not do that. Like, uh, that's not a way that you, for example... Uh, there is a lot of, like, tons of millions of items in the Cartel and uh, the GTM. Do not get me wrong. There is a ton of items. But if you're going for necessarily a certain amount of item, which is a really, really cheap, and you're just going to be uh, put a cargo hold into that specific item and just wait, a lot of people are just going to go back and you have a lot of... Uh, uh, enemies and uh, a lot of players that you need to undercut and just checking the GTN a lot of times to go back and see if I actually sell it so I can sell the next one so I can sell another one and another one and the list goes on it's a it's really really not a good method to do it I would just say uh, if you have it or maybe have it twice, maybe wait for the other one, see if it goes high. For example, like the Revan's Hair title, which is released uh, not so long ago for 20 cartel coins. Uh, I have still like three or two. I, I bought it five. I actually sold three uh, already. And now I'm just waiting for the other two to see if there is an opportunity to go with the price higher. I'm not going to buy a lot of them because they are cheap. Do not get me wrong. That That is a method that you can use uh, maybe for, not for like toys or stuff like that, or titles, but maybe for armor sets is good. Because armor sets are totally different. Like, uh, some of the armor sets are, like the golden, the rare ones, uh, can go really, really cheap. But if they're going to forgot it, uh, then the price is going to be really, really high. So that, like, you know what I mean. So pretty much you can... 
do this waiting game and see how it goes in terms of uh, economy and just wait until the price is going for a certain amount. But that can go in a bad way as well because at the end of the day, that certain item can go back to the lower price, how, how it was. So it's pretty much it's a waiting game and it's a dealing game. So when it comes to, to selling items uh, on the GTN, undercutting is a big strategy, but how much uh, should you consider undercutting and should you always undercut? I mean, are there certain things that you sell that there's no need to really undercut? Maybe they sell so fast that you can actually price it a little bit higher than what, what, the, what the lower is and know that it's going to sell in a day or maybe even two. There is some players that are going for the higher methods, to ju so just putting on the high price and wait, because at the end of the day, someone will buy what what we mentioned before, buying all of those stuffs, and uh, maybe maybe then I'm going to selling my certain item for a little bit higher. But if you wanted to get the credits fast, I I'm always saying always undercut but not that much depending on the item itself like if you have a platinum item which is going for millions of credits do not undercut it for like two or three million credits because you wanted to get the credits so bad like obviously if you wanted to get the credits so badly go ahead and do it but you're just gonna waste because the the gtn is going to uh, give or just going to lose yourself a little money because of like uh, a certain amount of what is it called when the GTN is uh, using some kind of money to like approach because of uh, because of the trading or something like that. I don't know what is it called, but Ted will help me for that. And uh, pretty much the reason behind that saying always undercut but not that much because you want it to be the top item everybody including myself as well everybody is looking for the cheapest one if you're going to undercut it for even one credit he's going to buy it one credit less because at the end of the day that one credit is still one credit if you're going to undercut it 500k he's going to buy it because it's solely worth it for a certain amount of price but if there is a there is certain amount of items that are going massively high, a lot of people not going to buy it because that's say like, oh my god, that item is going for that price, I'm not going to sell that for that much. I'm going for a reasonable price, which is something million of credits. And then, ooh, instantly sold it in 10, 10 minutes. Awesome, so I can get it. And I'm going to start instantly selling that item for that certain amount of price. And that makes sense. And I think probably a good good place to position to try and be in is when you go to sell stuff is to actually not need the credits, right? To not be so 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 short that you absolutely have to have these credits now. You know, you want. I think uh, a lot of people like considering credits are matter in this game, but uh, it is not. Like, do not get me wrong. And uh, if you're going to play the GTN like uh, this, what what I'm doing or what other players are doing. Uh, obviously, it's a good game, do not get me wrong, but you need to be consistent for the GTN and watch it a lot of times. Like, even myself, sometimes I'm not actually playing the game, I'm just playing the GTN itself and see other items and stuff like that. I'm just going to be there for, like, two or three hours. I'm facing, sometimes even on the Satil Shan server, I'm facing sometimes Eric Musco, who's saying, oh my <laughs> god, he's undercutting me? Okay, Eric, let's do this. And he's undercutting me ten minutes later. Oh my god, Eric, like, really? Let's do this. <laughs> and yeah, we had, we had one battle before when, uh, on, uh, what is it called, on the a really rare armor set, which was back in the day, the Dathomir Shaman. Shaman. It was, uh, right. I think, two years ago. It was not two years ago, obviously. It was the Harbinger server. And, uh, yeah, I actually won out of it. And uh, I mentioned it that to Eric, and it was so funny that he remembered that still. And then final question about the, the economy before we move on to a few other things. What about uh, selling items that are stackable? What's the uh, approach one should take stackable items is different because uh, some of the stackable items can be really really cheap like for example uh, some of the like a lot of free to players using obviously is the the xp boost like for example uh, you can get uh, back in the day you receive like a lot of 
uh, XP boost for either the flashpoints or discovering it. Now, obviously, you have it on your leg legacy as well. However, uh, it's still not going to worth that much, only for the free to players. So go for a minimum price. However, if you have, uh, for example, for kits or uh, materials or even gifts, uh, those uh, stackable prices are always not undercut that much. However, if you wanted to make a profit out of it, you need to be undercut it. And obviously the players are not going to go for the lowest one, which is like obviously one only one stack. So just one for, for example, for a material. They're going for the stackable, how much it each for a certain amount of material. So if you're selling 10 for, uh, I don't know, 10 new materials, for example, for 2,000 credits, then you're going to make it to 10k. So 10k credits and free to go. And obviously a lot of players are trying to sell it for like 12k or something like that. And uh, it is a different battle, but I would say you not necessarily need to go and always undercut those persons. You just put it in them one day and the one people finally then they will buy it and eventually at some point. Well, thank you for taking the time to discuss the game's economy. I want to switch gears here. Now, you've been playing the game since beta, and I've been playing since beta weekends. Star Wars The Old Republic is about to celebrate its sixth anniversary, and I thought it'd be fun to look back and share some memories of, of, of the game. So, so what drew you to Star Wars The Old, Old Republic? What made you want to play this game? Well... I could go for the obvious answer uh, because it's Star Wars, but I'm not going to go for that answer. The reason behind it, because the first trailer. I'm going to be really honest with you, the first trailer. When I saw that trailer, the Deceiver trailer at the beginning, uh, it, it blew my mind. Like, I, I started to watch everything that is involved in Star Wars The Old Republic to development to all of the announcements that all of the characters that they made, I just fell in love with this universe itself. And I just simply wanted to play. And that was the first time ever in my life that I really, really considered, and I done it as well, that I want the collector's edition for this game. And the first time ever I bought a collector's edition for a game, and that was Star Wars The Old Republic. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, for me, I was heavily into World of Warcraft, very familiar with, with MMOs. And so the idea of a, well, quite frankly, a Star Wars MMO uh, that was going to be similar to what World of Warcraft was had a, a large amount of appeal. I mean, it sort of got the, the name WoW with lightsabers, which was kind of a knock on it, but that was okay by me. I mean, that's what I was hoping for, to be honest with you, was that World of Warcraft experience. But in the Star Wars universe, in the Old Republic. And I mean, I was familiar with the Old Republic, but I hadn't yet played Knights of the Old Republic or, or Knights of the Old Republic 2. I've since played those games. In fact, I played them prior to starting uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, but that was what, what drew me uh, into playing this game. You were right about that. And also, I did not mention it, but also another two reasons that I really, really loved the, the Old Republic 2, especially. I played it like, I don't know how many times I played through that game, but it's uh, one of my favorite games of all time. And I played it a lot, like I mean a lot. And uh, because of that universe, I wanted to see more on this Old Republic. I never thought it's going to be like a story-driven MMO that could be really, really infect uh, in terms of players and uh, the Star Wars universe, the Old Republic universe itself. And it was really, really good. However, there was another Star Wars game that I played so much uh, before Star Wars The Old Republic, and that was an MMO as well called Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, I was a really big fan of that, and I, I, uh, that was my first MMO experience ever, and uh, that's where, when obviously Star Wars The Old Republic came, and that means another Star Wars MMO need, there is not going to be two MMOs, so one of them has to be shut down. And I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it, but unfortunately, because of Star Wars The Old Republic, that game has been shutted down uh, because of The Old Republic. Do not get me wrong, The Old Republic is a sick game, but I wish it could be two Star Wars MMOs at the same time. That would be awesome. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. In fact, I, w I played Star Wars Galaxies as well. That was my first MMO ever and was there uh, 
on the day that it launched. I did not play um, all the way through its end, although I did sort of log on on the end when it uh, when we when we heard it was going to be shut down, and we knew that was going to be a result of Star Wars: The Old Republic. But did you play Star Wars Galaxies from start to finish, or with their? Uh, no, actually, there was a really funny story coming out for this, and uh, I'm going to tell you this. So I was around 12 years old. And I had a PlayStation 2, so I decided to uh, get rid of my PlayStation 2, and I really wanted to play Counter-Strike. So uh, I say to my close friend, I will give you my PlayStation 2 if will you will if you will give me your Steam, and uh, with that, Half-Life 2 and Counter-Strike Source. And he said, okay, but I was like, okay, that was like... Like, just the game and account. Like, that's... The, my PlayStation is worth more. So, like, give me something else. And he said, okay, I will give you some money, but I cannot give you anything else. Like, what do you want? Like, I was looking to his shelves, and I was like, I want this Star Wars Galaxies game. And I was like, what is this? He said, oh, it's just an old MMO. It came out two years ago, I think. And I played it. Uh, I used the, the code... And uh, that's it, pretty much. I was like, okay, feel free to give it to me. And when I installed it, I realized, oh, I was 30 or 12 years old at that time. It was like, oh, it's a subscription game. <laughs> and I'm 12. Like, how can I subscribe? Like, I, I don't have enough money or stuff like that. So I leave it. Two years later, uh, I convinced my mom, or not actually, but uh, the code that is written in that... Uh, original like disc and descriptions it actually worked again so i decided to play again with that uh, when i was 14 or 15 or something like that in that time and i started to play again with that game and i played it until it shut it down so uh i started when the game was like three years so that it was when the next generation coming in pretty much that was the time but i played it the before version of that right as well well definitely a fun game um so looking at star wars the old republic do you have a favorite in-game moment from the f last six years Ooh, interesting question. Let's see, in-game moment. Like, I have a lot of in-game moments when uh, we conquer the, the PvE, so like the operations. I Like, one of my favorites, I think, is when uh, we defeated Kefis and we were the number one team in out of 13 or 30 or 40 teams who were 60-man progression guilds, and we were the number one out of defeating Kefis Nightmare, but I'm, I think that I'm the biggest proud of is probably uh, Eternity Vault, uh, or not even Eternity Vault, Karagas Palace uh, Nightmare, when obviously the other four bosses have launched. Uh, we defeated them, we are the number second in Europe and number third in the world out of like two or three hundred sixty man guilds like i was like really shocked and r felt really proud that i can actually play this and and do it and actually tanked it through the process it was so much fun and obviously what i can really really proud is uh, what i have got in this like youtube channel and the community it's it's really really fun and overwhelming that i have over the past few years or so well that was my sort of my next question then you know a favorite out of game moment something related to star wars the Republic, but, but not something you did in game and so I, I i think you just answered it but unless there's another thing you needed to bring up so when i when i started it it was i don't know what is going to happen like uh, i just started to make like achievement videos that i wanted to share for the community but one day came one dude i was like how you got like 40 million like back in the day two three years ago 40 million was a big deal so i shared a video and it blew up and i became who i became right now and thankfully the the community what i have is really really good uh not a large community like what sam's got or anybody or even the the old republic but it's it's a solid community and i really really like like just playing and chatting with those dudes it's really nice to have the, that it is a lot of fun i mean for me i guess when i look at my favorite in-game moment and like there's so many things to choose from but i always sort of look back at uh the first time that i logged into the game and this was you know 
I pre-ordered, so this was on December 13th, some point. I remember getting that email saying, you can log in now. But I was just, you know, being logging into an MMO on the day that it launches is always a special thing. And it's nothing, you can, you can never experience that again, right? It's, it's Everything's new. Everyone's level one. You know, there's no max level players. No one has a lot of money. Crew skills are at zero. I mean, everyone is just learning and starting and exploring. And it's just, it's an amazing moment. I think I had that feeling as well at the beginning. And actually, I was in my friend's place when, when I got the email, when it was the early day accesses, and I got it on day three. So I get in, and obviously, I started to make my Jedi Knights, and I was looking at Tython. I was like, wow, this is a totally new area. Like, this is not, not even Star Wars Galaxies or even World of Warcraft or something else. This is this is new. I, I love this universe. This the story that the progress and, and I saw a lot of people in game and just do getting oh you got a lightsaber already? Like what? <laughs> it's crazy. It was crazy at the beginning. Really loved it. And so now as uh Swotor heads into its seventh year, is there anything you're hoping to see added to the game, something you're looking forward to or would like to see them do? I really, really hope to surprise me. Like, I really love the surprise factor uh, out, of, out of this game. And uh, what Keith has mentioned, I think on the last roadmap, he's going, like, he's nothing against crazy ideas unless they can achieve it. And if there is, like, a crazy idea going on in, in Keith's mind... That could be something good, like totally shocking. Like we talked about or speculated in the community, all sorts of stuff's what we want. Obviously, what I want as well. Like who doesn't want to see like a pod racing game or who doesn't want to see like the Zark in the game? Like that could be awesome. And and I obviously wanted to see it, but I really love the surprise factor, what is coming up. Even though if it's a story or it's a new game element, whatever... What I really like is the surprise factor. And if they can surprise me, that's going to blow my mind. I, I like that too. And I mean, I think we saw a little bit of that with Knights of the Eternal Throne when we could now pilot walkers and mouse droids and, and, and things like that. Like, I think that was, a, that was a big achievement for them. And hopefully they're looking to do more things like like that. That, they're, that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they haven't sort of reached the end of their capabilities and i'm sure they haven't of, of what of what types of things that they can do uh for the game i think we can like uh, see in terms of the gameplay wise definitely a lot of improvement what has happened for example on uh, rise of the hot cartel since all the way to knights of the fallen empire we can see totally new different mechanics different ways to get play and it's it's just uh, these new new game elements and mechanics are making the game fun and memorable at the same time. And that's, I think, what Bioware and, and the community are looking for. So one of the things I like to remind people is that this just isn't the Old Republic. It's Star Wars, the Old Republic. And on December 15th, Episode 8, The Last Jedi will finally hit theaters. Now, you're in Europe. Is it going to be released where you are at the same time as it in the U.S.? Or are you going to have to try like extra hard to stay spoiler free? No, I don't need to be spoiler free because I'm going to watch the premiere before before the premiere actually. So I'm not going to watch it on the 14th. However, I'm going to be watching it on the 13th. So next wow, week, awesome. Wednesday, I'm going to go actually for a marathon run, and I needed to wait like. I don't know how long it was the line, like probably an hour long line that I needed <laughs> to wait to get my tickets, got four tickets to for my best friends to just go ahead and watch it. And the marathon means probably uh, watch it the seventh episode and after that 20 minute break and after that the eighth one. So uh, th that is good because the seventh one I watched uh, not a lot of times as the, the other ones. But I watched it, but that is just a reminder, like just thinking about it, that you're going to see the seventh episode now, and then you're going to say the eighth immediately, and then you can relate the two and relate the story, what has happened to the seventh and now going into the eighth one. So that is good. Yeah, that sounds like a, a lot of fun. So what's your expectation? You think this will be the best Star Wars film they've done to date? 
No chance in hell. No. Well, what's your favorite? What's your What's your favorite? <laughs> uh, I my favorite is obviously the fifth. Uh, and believe it or not, because I was a kid, and that's what my that was my first Star Wars uh, movie in theaters uh, or cinema. Uh, was the Star Wars one, the Phantom Menace? I really liked it, uh, but the fifth is obviously gonna be my uh, favorite for forever because it's not necessarily because of the Darth Vader stuff that has happened, because of actually the Han Solo. I really get it more into the Han Solo, like the smuggler thing, because I was a kid and I was a rogue as well, just like Han Solo is, and I really love to like choosing between obviously going for the good decisions but sometimes thinking about the bad as well like hmm should i get this rid of for credits hmm maybe i'm going to give it to java no you're not okay no let's go yeah stuff like that it's always fun to go like that and i oh i really like the rogue one as well that was a really good movie as well yeah i think they're doing a great job with with, with these new films and i'm right there with you what, empire strikes what was back your favorite, yeah, by the way? yeah em- yeah empire strikes back uh is my favorite probably will always be be that and like you i'm also a han solo guy like i saw uh the original star wars and i'm old i was a kid when it came out in 1977 so i actually did see that in the theater i was eight years old i'm jealous at the time and i walked out of there wanting to be han solo like i was like oh yeah he's he's the cool guy and uh he's got the the fast ship and you know the big wookiee at his side and i i was just he was is and has always been my favorite i mean in when I say favorite, I mean it's it's like everyone else is like a distant, not a distant second. It's a close second, right? I mean, I love all those characters, but Han Solo. If I had to say who's my favorite, it's him. Obviously, like you, you just need to be. Do not get me wrong; those other characters are really, really good uh, in my heart. Like uh, actually, because of uh, Carrie Fisher died, I get yes. more into Princess Leia as well. Like at the beginning or at the time, I was not necessarily cared. But when she died, I actually started to take a look of her lore and all of the stuffs what she has actually done to the Republic and the family and stuff like that. Do not get me wrong, I read before she died. Obviously, I read uh, like the Tron trilogy and stuff like that, but uh, and uh, those are really cool. Uh, but I did not get it into Leia that much. However, uh, because of now I actually realized at early stage how strong she was, I get it to into the character and into the, the woman itself more. Now, Ryan Johnson, who is the director of The Last Jedi, he signed on to do a new Star Wars trilogy, which led many to speculate that his new films might be set in the Old Republic. And Johnson went and settled that question once and for all when he said, I played that game, meaning uh, Knights of the Old Republic, when it first came out, and it was like, God, I loved it. Yeah, that's a fantastic game, and I understand it, the instinct to automatically go to something that you know and love that you've already seen. To me, what's really fun is the notion of what new stuff are we going to see? What new stories what, what new stories can we tell? For me, the possibility in a, in a new story told over three movies, go anywhere, do anything, sky's the limit in Star Wars. That's so exciting. So he's not doing a trilogy on the Old Republic. Are you surprised that it's not going to be an Old Republic uh, set of films? No, I'm totally not surprised. And to be honest, I'm going with his point. Do not get me wrong. I want to see uh, Star Wars, uh, like Old Republic stuffs. Uh, however... I really looking forward to new stuffs as well. Like just like as I was a kid, and now I'm kind of a kid as well. When I'm seeing new Star Wars films, like when what I'm going to see next week on the Last Jedi, I I'm really excited to see new Star Wars uh, trilogies or just new stories that that is never told before. And it's probably hidden somewhere, and we're just going to get maybe new games, new books, and action toys, whatever what we want. And it's, it's just exciting, because the, the universe is going to be expanded, and I love that. I mean, do you think we'll ever see an Old Republic uh, live-action 
know, the television or movie, do you see it in live action form someday? Uh, hopefully, yes. I definitely wanted to see like a TV show or something like that, similar to the Star Wars Rebels. I would love to see that in the Old Republic fashion. I definitely wanted to see like uh, more of that, ba maybe based on the Revan book or the Old Republic book, whatever. I would love to see it, but probably I can pay for a movie for that, but I don't think that's going to be happening. But however, on the TV show, uh, that could possibly happen, and I would love to see that. I think that would be pretty awesome too, and I def definitely would, would, would watch that. So, well, before I let you go today, I understand that your superpower is you can speak and understand understand Cellcath. What What is that all about? <laughs> so, yes, uh, pretty much uh, in the Old Republic, Star Wars The Old Republic game, the Cellcats are speaking a my language, the Hungarian. So every time when we get into the Depths of Manan or the Tython uh, mission where there was a Cellcath, uh, they can they speak Hungarian, which is really really weird in terms of like watching that cutscene and seeing what what I can understand in Hungarian, but what they sing of a line is totally different. So for example, they sing uh, one thing in Hungarian, and the meaning is he's looking to the sea, and I remember it, and the line is. No, do not do that because you're going to explode all of that military cellcat dudes. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> like, it's crazy to see it and hear it, but it, it, it's good. But by the way, I am the, the voice of the cellcats in the, in the game, so that's why probably. That's awesome. So uh, when, they, when you say they speak Hungarian, is it actually like grammatically correct or is it just like a bunch of hungarian words strung together just to, to form cellcath it is correct at some point but some of them are just totally gibberish that makes me laugh like if you like i wish everybody can speak hungarian because if if you're going to listen and hear that it's going to make yourself laugh like do not get me wrong they not swear or stuff like that but no like I don't know who, who's done the job for the cell cap, but rest assured, I can make a better job for that. So Bioware, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the Swotor guy, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun, and I hope we can do that again sometime. And if people want to find your stuff or see more of you, where can they go? Uh, first of all, uh, it was an honor and privilege to be on the, the podcast. It was really, really fun to talk about these certain amount of topics. It was really good and hope you doing it a ton of more. Uh, and obviously you can find me on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash go for the old username, which was King of the Loser. Yeah, I know it's a weird <laughs> one, but still that was a long time. So, or even type on the search, the Swatter guy. You can find me on Twitter, D underscore Swatter underscore guy. So I am the guy. Or you can find me on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash the Swatter guy. All right. Well, this Wotor guy is a Bioware influencer who makes great YouTube videos and streams Star Wars The Old Republic. Be sure to check out his YouTube and Twitch channels and follow him on Twitter. And I'll have all of this information in the show notes. And a final bit of news before we're done. Last week, I talked about the difficulty of the Caparo Flashpoint in solo mode and that Charles Boyd acknowledged that changes were forthcoming in 5.6.1. And here they are. Bosses have had their health significantly reduced in both story and solo mode. The damage done by bosses has been reduced in both story and solo mode. Bosses have had their health slightly reduced in both veteran and master mode. The number of enemies has been reduced throughout the flashpoint. The guardian droid will no longer instant cast their mortar volley ability. And the Caparo security droid will no longer instant cast their seeker missile ability. And one of the goals with these changes was to bring Capero more in line with the difficulty in time that we experienced with Umbara. So that's good news all the way around. And the last thing for today, Star Wars The Last Jedi opens worldwide on December 15th. Just be careful. Time to put your shields up and stay away from those spoilers. You never know when they're going to spring up. The social media embargo was lifted a couple of days ago. 
And, you know, spoilers are just abound to start flowing here and there. So just be careful. Avoid the Internet. Watch your Twitter feeds and just, you know, do everything you can to ensure that you have the most enjoyable Star Wars experience. And I will talk about The Last Jedi on the next show, but in an absolutely spoiler-free manner. It'll be some time before I talk about any kind of review with spoilers. And that's going to wrap it up for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another hour listening to episode 63 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SOTORpodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SOTORpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SOTORpodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. And yes, I am actually aware that I have not been good. In fact, I've been terrible at uploading these episodes over to YouTube. Well, I've gotten all caught up on that, and I'm really going to make a point to make sure that I get them converted to video and uploaded to YouTube each and every week, because I did hear from a couple people who said, hey, I love your podcast, but I like to listen to it on YouTube, and I'm really way behind. So that's it. Look for episode 64 on December 19th, and remember the Sith Code. Cake is a lot.